Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio On this week's show, we're talking to the TikTok sensation, the homebrew king, or Larry McAllister. We're going to talk to him about doing micro content and how he uses it to teach people how to homebrew. It's a really, really fascinating discussion. So stick around this week on Homebrewing DIY. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Larry McAllister, or also known as Homebrew King on TikTok. He's become quite the TikTok phenomenon, and Larry has taught many, many people using that micro-content about homebrewing tasting on the BJCB guidelines, and he's even taught people how to make mead. So really, really cool stuff we're going to talk about. So stick around for the interview. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. Another way to support the show is using coffee, and that's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewing DIY, and there you can give one-time support. I'd like to thank Kyle Smith for giving us some one-time support this week. Kyle also left us a really cool piece of feedback in a note today, and so I will read that during the feedback session. But first, I want to thank Kyle for giving us some beers over at Coffee. So very, very cool. Another way to support the show is to write us a review. You can go over to podchaser.com forward slash homebrewing DIY, or if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, just scroll to the bottom of your app, give us a five-star review. And if you write us a review, we're going to read it on the air. I got some new reviews to read this week as well. Another way to support the show is to head on over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and use our sponsor banners. And you can buy a brew bag at Brew in a Bag. You can do your shopping at Adventures in Homebrewing. Or you can even buy some brewing software from Brewfather. Doing so is going to let them know that we sent you, and they in turn support the show. 
One thing you are going to notice about the website this week is that it has changed. I completely did a redesign of the website. It's definitely a lot lighter. Uh, and part of that is going to have to do with a lot of changes we're going to be making here at Homebrewing DIY. So I'm very, very excited to speak about them. I'm going to post a blog post about this as well. But just to let you know, we are getting some more contributors here. So for example, Ryan Packmeyer, who's been on the show often, is actually going to be an ongoing contributor. He's a BJCP certified judge and just an avid brewer of big beers. So we're going to hear a lot more about him. He's also a beer writer. He's written for publications such as Zymergy, Beer and Brewing. Also, we're going to have uh, Chino Bruce, who w- did an episode with us recently, and he is going to also be a contributor on the show. He has tons of articles that he's planning on writing, and you'll hear from those two on the show more often. So just keep an eye out for the big changes we have coming your way at Homebrewing DIY. And I... I have to say that really when you think about those changes, they couldn't be possible without our patrons. So uh, just to give them another shout out, your your support really does make it so that we can make decisions like this and have growth of the podcast. So it, it really is appreciated. And just note, we are at a point where... I don't make any money at this podcast. This isn't, you know, I have I have a day job. This is nothing that I'm using. Any money that you give to me on this podcast is immediately turning around and being reinvested in the show. And so these are the ways that we do so is, uh, you know, things like web hosting, things like uh, being able to have contributors and being able to really just grow the podcast the way I hope to one day. We'll just see where it goes. So thank you. Thank you very much for all of your support and all of our listeners as well. You just really, really appreciate it. Well, I guess I'll stop gushing over everybody and uh, let's just jump into this week's episode where we're going to talk to Larry McAllister or Homebrew King. I've got Larry McAllister here on the show. Larry McAllister goes by the name Homebrew King over on TikTok, and he's probably the predominant homebrewer on the the entire medium of TikTok right now. And <laughs> I I have to admit, I, I'm very fascinated with it. I, I watch this guy almost every day. I'm blown away by the amount of stuff he's putting out. And I'd like to welcome to Homebrewing DIY. Welcome, Larry. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So well, let's let's talk a bit about you and, and TikTok because uh, personally, I, I have a TikTok account. I put out a couple videos on it. It's definitely something that you've got to really stick with, and you got to put a lot of this kind of micro uh, video content out. And I right. I, I got to admit, I think you've nailed it. You you cover everything. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you talk about homebrewing, you talk about technique, you talk about process, mm-hmm. you talk about making mead, but you can do it all in these like little 60 second videos and you do a great job. Just how did you get into it? How'd you get into it and how'd you kind of come up with that process? That's really hard to do something in 60 seconds. <laughs> it was almost a personal challenge, actually. I, I, 
I have a background in education. So uh, when I was going through some of my research and, and papers and things like that for my education degree, one of the things that I bumped into was you really need um, a couple of things to get uh, the attention of people, and that's uh, short time frame. So if you can say something in a short time frame, so um, 60 seconds is perfect on TikTok. If you can tell somebody something in a short time frame and then give it to them when they need it. Those are the two key things for a lot of educational purposes. So uh, I think I kind of naturally just gravitated to it. So I was like, oh, this is micro learning. I, I would love to do this. And then I had a personal challenge. I was like, well, I've been wanting to put out content on YouTube, but I've kind of been putting it off because... Uh, it's, it just seems so long and I, I, I'm a perfectionist, so I'd want to set up a studio and all this stuff, but TikTok is more raw, you know, so people would just like to see raw things. And I try to mix some answers to questions and raw footage in there, but also some really quick, uh, takes on, you know, beer reviews and, and what I'm doing at the time, what I'm interested in the time really. Yeah. Uh, but Yes, it's raw, but it's still high quality, right? Like the, the it doesn't sound like crap. The video is usually pretty good. The video editor for TikTok's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. I also use um, Splice, I think it's called, uh, yeah, to stitch some stuff together before I actually put it on TikTok, so I could put it to whatever other media I want as well. Yeah, and, and l let's talk a bit about some of the content that you do. So obviously, you talk about homebrewing. You've done videos mm -hmm. on the full homebrewing process, and you've you've distilled it down to sixty seconds. And <laughs> it, it, it's something where, and and, and I got to admit, you don't even really take show, shortcuts. You you do hit all of the points. I, I've done a yeah. beginner's podcast, and my beginner's podcast took up an entire hour, right? <laughs> and and, and it can easily, it, it's something where when you look at this kind of micro content, it, it, and one thing I love that you do is you don't always go, oh, and come back for part two, because that's a thing on TikTok that drives me crazy. <laughs> I do on some. I have to. Like, I can't get away from it. <laughs> you don't do it too much. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you also don't just you don't just talk about beer. You talk about making meads. You talk about making ciders and you make it really approachable for the beginner. And mm -hmm. I think that for me personally, uh, th these are the things beginners want is they want something right. that they can think of quickly. So what what would you say like to a beginning homebrewer right now if you were going to say, hey, these are the things you need to get to get brewing and don't make such a big deal out of it. How, how, how do you kind of explain that to a brand new <laughs> Go to the grocery store. You have everything you need. I mean, really, it's it's not. it doesn't have to be so complicated. And what I love and also hate about our community is um, <laughs> we have a lot of really smart people. Um, but uh, sometimes that can be intimidating to somebody that's brand new coming into homebrewing. So... Um, I try to be really approachable and, and try to say, you know, I've, I've, I've even got t-shirts made that says, I, I won't judge you. Like, I just make something, you know, <laughs> just make some homebrew and bring it. And we can talk about, you know, if you want to know how to make it better, you can ask me, but um, I'll enjoy it with you. I don't care. Uh, I want to taste the bad stuff too. So, because <laughs> it helps me taste off flavors really. But I, I'm really interested in, People being able to approach homebrewing is something that's 
not uh, following a recipe. And I think the at the heart of what I'm trying to do is what I like to call adaptive brewing, <laughs> if you will. It's it's more of a let's use cheap stuff to learn the fundamentals, and then after you get the fundamentals down. Then you can start buying equipment and getting fancy if you're still interested in it. So um, that's pretty important to me. <laughs> I think that's actually a great approach, right? Uh, I, I, whenever people come to me and they're like, "Hey, I want to get started," I'm always like, "Start with one gallon batches. They're they're so yeah. easy. They're 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 easy to find all of the parts in a grocery store. You can find mm-hmm. a demi john of of apple juice, right, and start there. And exactly. And for me, it's something where one gallon batches also means that you're not trying to cool down five gallons of liquid. You're not having to go through uh, a lot of the headaches that people put themselves in when they try to go big early. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And then you don't have buyer's remorse, right? So you're not like, I spent all this money on this and my beer sucks. It's like, well, if you spent 10 bucks and and it sucks, so what? Right. So you're like, It's totally true. But but if you spent 10 bucks and you're stoked that you made beer, you're probably going to stick with the hobby, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And and you're also also a BJCP certified judge, right? Correct. Yes. And do you, obviously, pre-pandemic, you were probably doing uh, beer competitions, right? Yeah, uh, two or three a year. Okay. And were you judging mainly? Or are you entering? Or are you doing both? Uh, both where I could, and it made sense. And uh, I actually was a, a steward for one, and God bless all the stewards out there. There's so much to go through when you're setting up and, and doing a competition. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, if it's possible, I will judge in the competition that I'm in, but, uh, I make sure I'm really clear up front. Hey, I've got entries in this. Keep me away from my own stuff. I'll stay away from that table or whatever, but yeah. That's awesome. And then, and then you have a segment, which is one of my favorite parts of your TikTok. is you do these beer reviews and you <laughs> review very, very common beers that people don't normally review uh, to, mm-hmm. and I'll give you an example. You'll do a, a 60 second beer review of like PBR, for example. And yeah. I, I, I love it because you actually look as a judge should, you objectively look at it to the style and don't poo poo it because it's a PBR. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, that comes from my college days. So in college I was, uh, I was, uh, I guess judging is just natural to me trying to be objective and neutral. Um, I was a, uh, intramural sports judge in college. So, and I was one of the few judges that wasn't associated with any social clubs or anything like that, fraternities, sororities. And so people would always look to me. And and so I, I learned to value that in myself that I could look at things objectively. And then when I got into beer, it just kind of went from there. I was like, Oh, I need to compare this to the style and make sure that it's meeting all the criteria and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I love and value the fact that I can try to at least be as objective as possible and, and try to be as fair as possible. So some of the people don't, I mean, they don't agree with it. They're like, how can that be? That's, that's piss water. I get that a lot. It's like, that's piss water. But to that style, it's, it's actually appropriate and it, it, 
the score's fine. I like most commercial beers. Of course, they're going to be very good beers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be still around or commercial. So that's. <laughs> but I, I also went with uh, commercial beers because it, nobody does that. But if I'm trying to convert people to get into craft beer, I need to speak their language. And if if somebody speaks commercial beer language, then I'll I'll tell them what I think it is, and then then I pique their interest, and then they're like, well. There's a better beer than Budweiser? You betcha, buddy. There is. <laughs> There's a so, lot of better beers yeah. than Budweiser. <laughs> so. but, but when you take a Budweiser and you put it to the American Light Lager category, it falls right within that category. And it's mm-hmm. going to probably score in the high 30s, right? And so yeah. and, and and it's kind of funny when I, I watched it and you were like, yeah, I'm drinking a PBR. You did the taste. I think you actually gave it a 38. And I was like, yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. pretty solid. That's probably right on for that. Yeah. And it, it, but it's funny that uh, I love that you get messages like that of like, oh, why are you doing <laughs> this to PBR? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my recent one was uh, Corona, and it, it blew up. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out why it blew up, because I, I, maybe it's because the name Corona is a buzzword right now, but I I was like, maybe I just lucked onto that. I don't know why, but yeah, there are dude, a lot TikTok, of people that... TikTok, you never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of people that were just like, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's supposed to be skunky. You know, I'm like... No, it's not supposed to be skunky. It's it's in a clear bottle, so if light hits it, it's light struck. I mean, that's just plain and simple. So I try to educate on those pieces too, and and help people understand that if, if you really want skunky, then use skunky hops. I mean, that's the best. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's it's the right kind of skunky when you use skunky right. hops, right? Exactly. It, yeah. It and light struck has a very unique flavor. I think of for for me, I think of the my my days as a kid and drinking a Mickey's Big Mouth because they were always old and light struck. <laughs> and, yes, <laughs> but but I the idea is to do a Mickey's. <laughs> yeah, but they cut now. They come in forties. It, it was better when yeah, they were the little yeah. bottles, and and they were yeah. and they were always old, and they were always light struck and skunky as hell. But the little uh, sn- snub nose bottles. <laughs> yeah, the little snub nose bottles. Yeah, or, or remember yeah. Little King's Cream Ale that came in the little bottles too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, spe- I'm speaking to my age now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you, buddy. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, but but yes. So back to you know talking about uh, the light struck beer. I, I think it was really cool because when you were talking about the Corona, you did specifically call out you said hey i have a corona it's in a clear bottle let's mm-hmm. hope this isn't a light struck version because if it's not it'll probably taste pretty good and right. you didn't have a light struck one and it, it's it's right. what what people don't understand is is that you know marketing sometimes overpowers sometimes what's in that bottle and you know exactly just, it, it, yeah it's, i get the know, question how you get a, in lot. a green oh. bottle for how long yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, in Heineken, they uh, completely closed their bottles in boxes now, so that's good. Um, and I had, that's what actually got me onto the whole, how important is light and beer thing? It was like, we went to Amsterdam, went to the Heineken experience, did the whole thing, got to pour my own beer fresh. Amazing beer, fresh at the brewery. And it's like, by the time we get here in the States, it's like, it doesn't taste as good. It's, there's just something lost in that time it takes to get here 
and you never know what a distributor is going to do to the beer too. You know, slinging it on freighters and uh, yep. leaving it outside on a pallet or something until they can get it loaded. You know, um, it's but yeah, it probably spent a month on a boat getting here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> non refrigerated, rocked around. Yeah. Hot, cold, hot, cold. I mean, there's yep. so yep. so much, and, and a lot of you know when when people talk about, I, I always talk about this with cold side oxidation, right? A, a lot mm-hmm. of the reasons why big breweries are so freaky about cold side oxidation is because they need to be able to package it and have the beer last for longer than you would if you were a home brewer, mm-hmm. and so. Yep. And, and examples would be, I, I need to get a quality product to somebody six months from now, and. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to think of processes I can do to maintain that freshness level, though it's still not as good as if you got it right at the brewery fresh. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. What What are what What are some things that you would say if I were trying to get into you know beer judging and, and that I'm personally not a BGACP certified judge, but if I wanted to be a beer judge, what What would you say to to a newer home brewer that they maybe want to make that a goal, what would they, what would you <laughs> tell them to start doing? Yeah. Well, if, if you're, well, if you're not a home brewer and you hate beer, you should be a beer judge. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and, and there's a reason for that. You know, there are so many people out there. I, I don't remember what the exact statistic is like 14 or 20% of people are like super tasters. They have extra taste buds and, um, they have such potential to be a fantastic judge if they would just desensitize themselves to bitterness a little bit and get used to beer. Um, and that's actually my journey. I, I wasn't a huge beer fan at first. I actually started on wine, so I must have bought up every Merlot in, in Little Rock <laughs> that I could find that was under 10 bucks just to taste. Uh, we went on a cruise, and there was this uh, gentleman that was just so into wine, I was like, like, how do you do that? And he was like, I just think about what I'm drinking and try to pick out flavors. And that, for me, that's probably actually where I started in, in my, um, my beer judging journey is like, I actually just started thinking about the flavors that I was tasting so much, so many times we just drink stuff and guzzle it down or choke it down and don't even have a second thought about it. But if you drink something, you actually think about it, think about all the flavors um, all of a sudden this whole new world <laughs> opens up to you and you're like, Oh, now I taste food differently. Now I make food differently. I might use extra herbs and spices and things like that. So, um, if you're interested in judging, that's the potential for you. You can go down a really good road and, and, and expand your palate so much. Um, if you want to get started though, um, the basics are, you know, get a off flavor kit or try a beer that you've never tried before. Um, one of the things that my, uh, from my childhood that my dad talked to me about was, I remember he handed, I was like, I want to try that beer. And he was like, well, it was old Milwaukee's best. And he was like, well, here, here that'll put some hair on your chest, you know? And so <laughs> from, from, from then on, I was like, okay, well, so, you know, Trying something new to me is 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 uh, taking that leap of faith and experimenting. And, and if if you're the kind of guy that's like I'm in home brewing and I want to do, you know, uh, American light lagers because that's what I'm used to. 
well, go try something weird and different. Go try a sour. Go try a Imperial Stout. Go try a, a Belgian beers, anything. Do something different and constantly seek different. And uh, that'll set you up with a really good foundation for judging. Um, and, and you'll have a really good, just a really good beer journey. I, I'm, I'm such a stickler with my club on a, a beer journey. Try new things, try weird things, try off flavors. Uh, the guys in my club are always like, hey, well, I, I'm going to dump this beer. I'm like, don't dump it. Bring it here. I want to taste it. But, you know, it's like the, anything that you can do to be curious about flavor. Um, that's how you would, in, in my mind, start to be a good a good beer judge. And he, I, I'm not, I don't claim to be a perfect judge or anything like that, but that certainly uh, exp- enhanced my life. I'll just say that. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing that I love, obviously, I've judged beer at like the at the club level, right? I've never mm-hmm. actually uh, done judging for like a BJCP competition, but mm-hmm. when it comes to like we do club competitions, and and I have judged that way, and I think of just looking and tasting subjectively, mm-hmm. and and really. It, opening your mind to the ways that flavors can taste like things that you smell or that flavors Mm -hmm. can taste like things that they remind you of in your childhood and being able to explain that to somebody all of a sudden you start to really understand how flavor and balance work in in a certain harmony it's hard Mm -hmm. and i don't like to use the word balance all the time because that's not the right word all the time but it, i mean that's that's what i look for a lot is balance yeah. um, so it's it's perfectly fine it balance to that particular style is is really key so if we were talking about i'm going to make a an imperial stout and it was aged in a bourbon barrel well i shouldn't taste all bourbon when i drink your beer i should also taste the imperial stout that just makes sense right so yeah, the, yeah. those are things that are important yeah, and, and and also things like it. I always think like, for example, w- tasting off flavors is an eye-opening experience for me. In mm-hmm. and actually my own beer, and and not mm-hmm. tasting off flavors in my own beer, but when I taste, for example, uh, I'll get the buttered popcorn or something in a beer at like homebrew club night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll be right. like, oh man, that's totally diacetyl, and I'm not super sensitive to it some people are i i'm definitely not it has to be a huge diacetyl bomb for me to taste it but (laughs) it 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 is something that when you get it you get it and you know that taste from then on and then you start to actually (laughs) see it in beers and so i Mm -hmm. you would see things like you're tasting a lager which it's okay to have a little bit of diacetyl in some lagers right and right. so you'll you'll be tasting you'll be like oh now i can get that little taste of that in there and 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 it is a much more subtle thing but in it, for me it's almost like it took the shock of having it on my palate in a gigantic amount to really get me the idea because i never really had tasted it before right right yeah that's the whole point of those beer kits is to get um, above that threshold of parts per million where you it's noticeable Highly recommend. I highly recommend beer kits or the uh, off ta- off flavor kits for that purpose. It's it's um something that's I don't know how many I've gone through. I 
COVID happened. So <laughs> I'm trying to get one with the club and, and a local brewery and, the, and they're, they're wanting to get um, some of their uh, staff into the, the session as well. It's, it's so key to understanding how beer should taste, but also um, if you're a home brewer, I mean, you're just getting started. Don't take it too seriously either. No, and it's like, yeah, you just make whatever you want to make and then learn from there. It's a, a really good journey and iterative process. So, um, uh, my, my favorite story to tell a brand new brewer is how bad my first beer sucked. It was awful. <laughs> right? Uh, tasted like cardboard. It had too much oxygen. It was under carbonated. It was an amber ale and mm-hmm. it was disgusting. And it took me six batches of beer to get to a beer where I was like, Hey, this beer actually tastes like something I would drink. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but every step of the journey there was, was a bit better and got me closer to my goal. And, and that's how come, and that's why I try to tell people to stick with it is like, Hey, you're just starting out. It's not a big deal. If your first beer sucks, just make another one. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you, you all, go ahead. Go ahead. That's the, that's the best advice ever is, is just don't quit. I mean, you were making alcohol at home. How awesome is that? Right. So just, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're, if, if you live in the States, it's, it's, it's a blessing too. And we're changing the law every day. I, I, I wish we would change the law a little bit to where we could ship beer. I have so many people that ask me like, Oh, can I, can I ship you some beer? And I'm like, mm, no, that's technically not legal. So don't do that. <laughs> right. So it's like, at least in the uh, state that I'm in, right? Then yeah, I'm in Colorado. People ship me beer all the time. It's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I got, a, I got, a, I've gotten two boxes of beer shipped to me this week. <laughs> Goodness, I wish I could have that right here. So I have to work on the laws in uh, Arkansas, which is where I'm from. So, oh yeah, and, and see, that's one of the things, man. That, that this is what the the Brewers Association does is their their job is to to go into these states and mm-hmm. tr- try to loosen these these laws that are draconian. I mean, they're a yeah. big part of. Uh, I think it was just in the last ten years that it was actually legal in all fifty states. So you have to think right. about yeah, it. Yeah, that's correct. It, you know, all the way until just recently, there were states that homebrewing was illegal. I'm originally from Utah, and homebrewing wasn't legal until the mid 2000s. And so, it, it's it's really really important that we talk about those kinds of laws, right? And, and a lot of the we actually uh, changed the law in I think 2018 to allow homebrewing to be transported in Arkansas. And sometimes it's just as simple as asking your government officials, hey, can we do this? And a lot of times they're like, wait, why aren't we already doing this, right? So sometimes exactly. it's just as simple as saying, can we transport beer or ship beer? That would be nice. And especially during COVID times, it would be really nice. I think there are some organizations that are working on it. Um, I applaud them for their efforts for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. COVID's really opened the eyes of, of what limitations there were in our laws for no reason. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll give you an example here. Uh, because of COVID, I can go to any bar, restaurant or brewery and have beer or wine or liquor delivered to my house as part of a takeout meal. Right. And we <laughs> yes. could never do that before. And, right. Right. and 
it and I gotta admit it's it's kind of cool. The other day I ordered Mexican, and we got a pitcher of margarita with it, and I was like, why couldn't we do this before? It's I'm at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not driving. This is actually yeah, probably right. better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. I, I was actually there in August. Uh, you're in uh, Colorado, Denver area. Is that? Yeah, the, yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm in Arvada, which is just 15 minutes from downtown. Okay. Yeah. I I was just uh, north of there. I think we did a whole trip because I I turned 40 last year or so, um, showing my age. But <laughs> we went on a seven state sort of brewery run where it was okay to going with a mask and all that and i was like i'm not gonna let it spoil my 40th so we went uh ended up in a actually i can't say enough about mcclellan's brewery a brewing company in the is it fort collins i think just yep north of y'all yep cask ales every single one of them i was like every single one of these beers is amazing they're at least above a 40 like and how do you do this with cask ales and you got beer engines and I was just so blown away. Uh, Y'all's beer scene is awesome. Yeah, we, we really are spoiled here. It, yeah. <laughs> so from for me, uh, McClellan's is up in Fort Collins, but just a 10-minute drive from my house is Hogshead Brewery, and they mm-hmm. also do Cascales with, with beer engines, and their beers are amazing. They're so good. And, they're you know, the body's right, the head's mm-hmm. right, the creaminess is right, the... the right. The, the hoppy the, the the level of hops and the malt are so balanced correctly i love beer engine beer and it, it's just something that i didn't get anywhere else until i moved to denver and i, I love right. it <laughs> the threshold for me for a great beer is if i want to go home and try to make it <laughs> so it's like <laughs> i can't make that i don't have a beer engine yeah. i know it's like I, I came home i was like where can i get a beer engine <laughs> it's like this is awesome <laughs> Oh, I, I have a guy in my homebrew club that has one in his garage. It's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so let, let's talk a, a bit about just kind of your general kind of approach to content because you put out a lot. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say you're probably putting out content every day, two or three. It's, it's pretty often, mm-hmm. right? So the challenge to myself when I started it was to put out something every day. And that's tough when you're like, it's Christmas, it's vacation, it's whatever. But I'm always trying to put something out, either even at the very least responding to a comment or something. But yeah, I strive to put out something every day. So that's um, really tough, too, when you've got a, a three-year-old and <laughs> a full-time job and, you know, family needs and all this other stuff going on. It's just like, how do I get content in? But I, I just try to make something every week and I try to respond to comments and I know I have a lot, I, I've got a ton of fans now, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to, one of the things I wanted to try to do was try to answer everybody and respond to everybody and talk to everybody. And um, it's increasingly difficult when you have 50,000 followers or whatever it is I got now. So it's like, I can't handle the the workload a lot of times. So um, uh, some days I just take an hour to just go answer responses on some of my TikToks. I just uh, try to fit it in wherever I can. 
Yeah, and and I will admit that you are seriously. It is every day, and and I tried for a while. I I mean, I tried for a mm-hmm. couple of weeks to put stuff out like that. And mm-hmm. I'm already doing a podcast, which is you know a lot more of a long form. Uh, the right. editing, pro- I will admit, the editing process for this is is a lot more intensive than people understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, but on the other side of it is is that I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm in my 40s. I've got a wife. I've got two kids. I've got a four year old and a seven year old. And oh. you know, brewing beer on top of that, you know, finding five hours for a brew day, and right. uh, and right. trying to put out a, a show every week. It is it is hard to get the work life balance that people uh, think that you have right and it, yeah. It's, yes yeah yeah and, and and I mean you are up to like you are in the tens of thousands of followers at this point mm-hmm. uh, what are you what are you at right now I think it's like fifty one the last time I checked I, and I yeah. was I had every intent of doing like. Um, Oh, I got 10,000 followers. Thank you guys so much. And I got 20,000. Thank you guys so much. But I was like, I, I just want to make content that I think people will enjoy. And I'm, I'm more doing it for me because I have, uh, I have a really good job, but I don't have that option for a creative outlet. And I used to teach. So I want to, I have this need to get in, in front of people and just talk and whether they want to listen or not, whatever. But <laughs> I just, I had this need for a creative outlet and, um, I think TikTok's just doing that for me. Um, uh, make fun of me all you want. I know there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, it's a kid's app, blah, blah, blah. But there's a ton of, uh, millennials and Gen X that are getting on there that are actually enjoying it. So, and I can see that through all my responses. So, (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that people poo-poo it because it is definitely more the younger crew. But guess what? Facebook mm-hmm. was there at one point. Uh, yes. Facebook, yeah. Facebook wasn't lame until your grandma was on it, right? And then exactly. Because you know, so, <laughs> exactly. when I was in my 20s and, and that, was, that, that was a time, you know, I remember when Facebook was out for only college kids and then they released mm-hmm. it and anybody could get it. And it was, it, there was a whole process for that. TikTok's mm-hmm. kind of in that same process and I love it. I, I, I'll admit I am kind of addicted to it. I find myself scrolling mm-hmm. through it almost every day. I'm the, there's really great content on there. We're now at a place where there's really great homebrewing content on there. There's more and more mm-hmm. people doing it. Uh, I would say you're probably the top of those right now when, it comes to the content that's on there but uh it it is something where you know if if you're a home brewer and you want to kind of make stake out a place for yourself tiktok's a place you could do that right now whereas mm-hmm. you know if you make a podcast like me or you're gonna hop on to facebook or uh live or you're gonna do you know start a facebook group or or you want to do a youtube you've got a lot of competition there and right mm-hmm. now tiktok's kind of that place where if you want to gain a following and you've got something to say specifically about homebrewing you can do it there and probably gain a pretty good following yeah absolutely it's um a blessing i mean really i I just posted a video where um so the story that that sort of launched me into maybe i should just do this all the time this is kind of fun is um we did a video on uh we make a cider that's a specialty cider and and we um and if if you are my follower you don't know this is a cider so you have to listen to this podcast to know that it's actually a cider we do a specialty cider that's um 
Um, it's it's based on uh, the butterbeer concept from Harry Potter. My wife's a huge Harry Potter fan, so uh, I actually proposed to her at uh, Universal Studios and Ollivander's Wand Shop and all this stuff. So it's it's super close to our heart. So she was like, I want. She saw me doing homebrewing stuff. She's like, I want to get into it, and I was like, Well, what do you want to start off making? She was like, I want to make butterbeer, and so we spent weeks trying to perfect this recipe and trying to figure out the correct way to back sweeten and all this stuff. And, uh, we are, it, we made a recipe that is a five time people's choice award-winning recipe that just kind of launched us. And I was like, Tom Felton got on there on TikTok and he was like, Hey, I, I you know, do some Tom Felton challenges. And somebody said something about butter beer and it doesn't actually taste like beer. And then I did a short little video of me pouring some butter beer and said, yeah, we make an alcoholic version. And people went bonkers over it. And I was like, <laughs> that's kind of when I realized that, oh, oh, TikTok is an early social media platform. So it, you could get a lot of craziness going on right now. So, but I think now it's, it's tougher because you got a lot more celebrities realizing that and they're jumping on here and all this stuff. But, um, yeah. but, but I mean, still it's, if you're interested in getting into homebrewing and uh, or even tasting beer or whatever, uh, there's actually I'm struggling with some of my 60 second beer review videos because I know judging language and I don't think the average person understands judging language. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep the language as simple as possible. But there's another lady that's. Um, and I'm sorry, I forget her name right now, but uh, she kind of, she's from New York. She kind of inspired me to um, start using my actual judging language and being better about it, like better descriptors for bread, better descriptors for, you know, toffee or whatever it is. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool. And so, and there's this community that's, that just kind of keeps pumping me up it's like uh you know sam makes mead he's a mead guy in england he's he's probably i would say he's number two on on tiktok for alcohol at home and home brewing but he's specialized in mead but he's gotten really good he's on, he's about to open a meadery in in england i'm like this is awesome like and i just keep connecting with all these people that i wouldn't have otherwise so it's it's really just a blessing yeah i i feel the same way with a podcast it's like i I, I remember I started this off and, you know, I had a hundred people listen to it. Now I have thousands mm -hmm. every week. Right. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. It, it is. And, and, but the crazy part is, is that the, the first time I'm sitting down, I'm having an interview with Lars Gersal talking about farmhouse ales in Norway. I was <laughs> right. like, wow, this is really happening. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, it, but, but the, the point is, is that the reason it's happening is because I'm passionate about this subject. Mm -hmm. uh, passionate enough that I, I I'm dedicated to making content around it and yeah. you are too. And, and that's, that's mm -hmm. the thing I get from you and, and why yeah. I love your video so much is mm -hmm. that it doesn't feel like it's a job to you. It feels like you're, you're, you're being, you're having a good time doing it. And I'm sorry, your demeanor is great. It's so calming. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 
That's good. <laughs> no, seriously. Every want. time I, I'm always like, man, this guy's so mellow. He'd be so fun to drink with. Oh yeah, yeah I, I am. So the next time I come to Colorado, I'll come hit you up. <laughs> you got a deal, man, because it, it'll yeah. be post-pandemic. We will sit down and mm-hmm. have some beers, and and I will take you on a brewery tour of Colorado like you've never had. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> I, I, I'm super inspired by um, just helping people and 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 doing what I can to promote. Um, homebrewing and craft beer and, and, and any of that stuff. So I'm, I really want it to be approachable for everyone. But what we think is what the average American thinks is awesome beer is is not awesome beer. And I, I want to kind of expand that to everyone. But I can't do that by um, being some elitist gatekeeper that says this is the right way you do things or this is the best beer no, that everything has its place. And if you like PBR, there's a reason you like PBR. It's a very good beer. If you like Budweiser, there's a reason you like Budweiser. It's a, it, it has its place. Uh, but there's a whole world out there that people need to experience. And, and that's why I'm here. And my actual mission is what I would love in my lifetime is to, before I die is to have every, neighborhood community in America have that guy that's the home brewer that everybody goes to that their house is the pub you know what I mean like <laughs> that, like that, I would just die a happy person if I could just inspire you know a thousand people to start home brewing and, and all of a sudden they're making great beer in their neighborhood and you can only get it in their in their neighborhood that would be awesome to me well it, it, it's funny as I feel like we're in a place where we're just going back to the way things used to be, right? Mm-hmm. When, uh, and, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is I'm in the process. I have another podcast that uh, nobody on this show probably listens to, but it, it's it's like kind of my side project, and I get like 40 listens, and I'm totally okay with it. It's more of my <laughs> – right. I, I call it my art podcast, right? But mm-hmm. I'm doing a right. – I'm actually doing research right now on a show of my hometown, which is a small town in southeastern Utah, and – it and as I'm going through the history of finding out the and this was an early 20, 20th century coal mining town that started from the early 1900s and kind of they all turned into ghost towns around the 1970s area and mm-hmm. these were all places I played as a kid in these old ghost towns and it was right. it's fascinating to me so I'm doing a whole podcast on it but one of the things that I found out was that the society back then was that somebody's house was like the bar because there were no bars, right? And exactly. Like, yeah, in, these, 100%, in these old yeah. coal camps. And they and mm-hmm. and my my grandmother would go pull my my great grandmother would go pull my great grandfather out of a out of the, out of Rosie's house because that's where she would hang out because she had the bar. Right. right and so right. It, it's kind of that's how things were a hundred years ago before the prohibition. Mm-hmm. And prohibition right. kind of is the reason we had the industrial beer. It from you know pro- post prohibition until you know craft beer really got its standing again, but I think with homebrewing now it, it's coming back to that. I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of people that homebrew, and in my neighborhood mm-hmm. alone, it's like I homebrew. My Aaron, who was on my show for my homebrew hack show, he lives straight across the street. He's got you know a, a six tap system in his basement. Lives right That's straight awesome. across the yeah. street. And then there's three other guys on my block that all homebrew and. And pre-pandemic, we were all going to each other's house drinking beers, and and it's yeah. something where I yeah. can't wait to get back to that. It's I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, that'll be amazing. Uh, all of the another thing that comes to my mind when you're talking about that is 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 politics and all the yep. politics on tip, TikTok. I'm like, oh, so <laughs> you know, I, there's there's a lot of people that try to goad me into like getting into the pol- political side of things, but I'm like. You know, if you really know want to know who my favorite president is, it's Jimmy Carter, and you probably know why. Because <laughs> he legalized homebrewing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because he legalized homebrewing. So, and that's the reality of, of things. Like, and they're like, "What do you think about this?" I'm like, "I don't care as long as I don't mess with homebrewing. I'm fine. <laughs> like, it's, it's, this is my area. This is what I love. So, don't mess with it, and you'll be okay." <laughs> I completely agree. And I think that that's a thing on TikTok where, and social media in general, and, and mm-hmm. just to go onto a social media channel and have it be about beer and only about beer is yeah. a nice and refreshing place to be on the internet today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I try to refrain from any and all crap that's uh, revolving around politics. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, it, specifically with the, this podcast, I, I make it a big point to stay away from politics as well, just because, you know, uh, I have people that are definitely on the other side of the political spectrum than me that mm-hmm. are listeners of the show. And to me, it's like, you know, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about the beer. And right. we talk about the beer and and I will give you as much advice. I don't care who you think should be president. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> right, right. That's what I love about homebrew clubs. It's like we get together all the time, but it's it's about beer and brewing. And you know, COVID's thrown some new challenges to us because we it's like we can't meet. We did our first official meeting actually the last night. And thank you, by the way, so much for being able to flex the uh, podcast time for that. But we actually, as soon as you were like, "Hey, go." have a good time with your homebrew club and, and enjoy. Um, we got some messages that were, were like, Hey, we can actually go to a brewery and, and one of our local breweries, natural state brewing up here in, in Northwest Arkansas. They're like, Hey, if you guys want to come as, as long as you don't have too many people come join us and, and we'll spread out and we'll have a good time. And it was a very, very good night last night. So thank you so much for, flexing your time frame around that but that's yeah. what also i love about homebrew clubs and stuff you just get out and go explore your local breweries and and a lot of the people that uh, like uh, uh, natural state uh, mark mark smith he started all that he started in the club grew up to a a, a brewery we're super proud of him so that's a uh, Love being able to go out and do that. COVID has hit the nicks on that. But um, this last week, we were like, we're going to try it. And uh, we'll we'll see where we end up from there. But uh, that, that's really I, good. I, I would kill to go to a homebrew club meeting right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still we're still doing ours online. It, but this month, we finally at least did like, hey, let's have a Dropbox and swap beers back and forth so we could at least taste other beer. Yeah, and yeah. It, that was that. That was a huge game changer for us because be, otherwise we were just doing a hey, let's have a happy hour uh, once a month and and drink our own beer on a video call, and it just it wasn't the same. <laughs> yeah, I heard you talking about the, you would leave a, a cooler outside and somebody would swap out one for one, and yep, that we were to, we were tossing that idea around as well. So that that might be uh, 
really good for some of our hopefuls that, that are, are have to be super cautious because of COVID. That would be awesome. Yeah, it worked out really well. And and what you do is, I, I will give you the 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 lowdown because I've now got it figured out. You got to get a couple guys to commit to like dropping off and then coming back the next day and getting what's That's left. Good. <laughs> because yeah. you, you kind of have to get a base of what's there for people to take and and drop off and take. Right, right. right. But yep, uh, yep. but it did it did work out, and it was great to sit down and actually have beers with the club and taste other people's beers that I haven't had mm-hmm. in ten months, and it was yeah. it was a wonderful thing. I I I don't know. My homebrew club is such a a big place in my heart. Obviously, it is in yours. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, guys, join a homebrew club or start one if you can't. It's it's so yeah. worth it. So worth yeah. it. Yeah. The the best advice I can give anyone getting into homebrewing is find somebody else that that's doing it too. Uh, if you don't have a local homebrew club, make one. It's not that difficult. Just look it up. You know, it's 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 really simple to do. But bouncing your methods and ideas off of somebody else. And then trying each other's beers is such a, that's what homebrewing is all about. Our community about. is awesome. Yeah. And it, it, it makes you a better brewer because yes. you, you, it just does talking about beer with your friends. And you will realize that very, very quickly that other people do things very differently than you and they still make great beer. And yeah. it, it's like, that's a that's what it's all about, right? at least for yeah. me. Well, on your previous podcast too, you were like talking about open fermentation. I was like, well, now I've got to try open fermentation. But I want to, I, I was very clear. I was like, Chino is doing very open fermentation. This isn't yeah. just like, you know, take a carboy and put tinfoil over it. Right, this right. is like, this is like open to the air, but not like he was, he's making clean beer too. And, uh, yeah. I, he did email me an update that the, uh, new England IPA made turned out and wasn't oxygenated and he did it in a mm. full open up fermentation. And I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, yeah, you know, what? it's awesome. I've got a great story about open fermentation. I, I was, so we, we like to travel a lot, and whenever we travel, we like to try the beer that's there. And, and actually, I attribute that to why I love Belgian beer so much. And I think Belgian beer is probably um, American craft beer before it was <laughs> before it was a thing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> going to uh, Belgium, uh, experiencing some of the stuff there, loved it. Uh, right before we went to Belgium, though, we we have a, a guy in our homebrew club, uh, Stefan. He's awesome. He's from the Netherlands. And I went to um, a place, a brewery, and I was like, I think this is open fermentation, and they've got the best beer ever. And um, he was like, well, I sent some pictures out, and he was like, well, I, actually, I think it was, uh, what was the restaurant de Fisher's Tube in uh, Basel, Switzerland is where we went. So, and I was, and they have amazing, uh, what I love about Europe is sometimes they don't, they don't do anything special about names or anything like we do in America. It's just like, you want a light beer or a dark beer? And this yep. place was awesome. It's like, here's open fermentation, light beer, dark beer. And uh, had the best light and dark beers I've ever had, open fermentation. And I sent some pictures out and posted it to Facebook, of course. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a beer uh, carbonation machine. I was like, what? So I'm on the internet, like, looking up every kind of beer 
sort of add it like foam machine is what he called it. It's, it's like a ad, helps add extra foam and head retention to it. And so I was like, what is this thing? Because this, the head retention on this thing is so awesome. I want to know what this is. And so I'm looking it up and, I, and I'm like, I can't find anything. He was like, dude, I was messing with you. Like that's open fermentation. Of course, that's a, it's not a beer, it's not a beer fermentation thing at all. He was like, I was just, it's, I was like, man, I love homebrewing so much. So he, to- awesome. he, to- he totally pulled the left-handed spatula on you. He did. He did. He slapped me, he slapped me across the face with it. And I love that guy. Yeah. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. Well, well, Larry, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This was a really great conversation and I, I loved having you. And I, I, if you ever want to come back, I'd love to have you back on the show. And sure. if you have just a specific topic, you can come back. But even then, uh, if you want to find Larry, head on over to TikTok. It's at homebrew King, all one word. You'll find him. He's, he, I mean, you could Google it and he'll come right up to the top of Google, but uh, I will put a link in the show notes. Uh, go check him out and check out his stuff. And if you found him on Homebrewing DIY, let him know that you heard him on the podcast and, and, and thank you for coming on the show because I, I really appreciate it. All right, and we're back and it's time for feedback. And uh, should I just stop calling it feedback and maybe just start calling it the mailbag? Let's call it the mailbag. Let's just open the mailbag. Well, I, I have my first piece of uh, mail I got here from, from Micah. And Micah says this. First of all, thanks for the podcast. I only have one minor complaint. The recent Oktoberfest episode, while the podcast entertains a great useful niche of DIY aspects of homebrewing, the entire episode is on advertising a book and discussing a specific beer style, and it's not called for in my opinion, especially as the as the exactly same things were already stated on a, a couple of days earlier in the Beersmith podcast. Nothing DIY about it. And for which the majority of us are listening to you. Anyways, keep on casting. So, Micah, I, w- I want to thank you for the feedback. And uh, while I totally agree with you, I-, I do agree with you that the episode about Oktoberfest did have nothing to do with DIY. I actually had no idea that he was on the Beersmith podcast. I, I got to be honest, uh, I don't actually listen to the Beersmith podcast at all. I, I I did years ago. It's just not a show that's in my rotation. And so I had no idea that he was actually on that show. So I, I do want to let you know that that's something I was unaware of. Second of all, I, I do want to say that, uh, you know, I, I do agree. I, I think that I am in a place where I, I have to put out a podcast every week and I have to find a guest for the show every week. And obviously when people reach out to me and they're like, Hey, I want to be on your show. I automatically go, let's figure out a way because you know, it's easy for me to get a show out every week. But that being said, I do need to focus a bit more on some more DIY stuff. And and obviously with the changes coming, we're going to talk more about some DIY projects. So I I think you're going to be excited to see some of the things that are coming soon. So uh, it's great feedback and I totally agree with you. And so just, you know, keep an an ear out and listen because we're going to have some more. And actually 
Um, the author uh, from last week, uh, uh, Stephen Miller, uh, I, I've you know asked him to even write some articles for homebrewing DIY that are specific to some DIY projects. So uh, hopefully he takes me up on that as well. So, you know, to me, the DIY aspect of homebrewing is definitely a reason why we're here, and I completely agree with you. So thank you so much for the feedback. All right, another piece of feedback we have here from Kyle Smith. And Kyle wrote, I want to say a big thank you for the time and effort that you put into the podcast. I've been a homebrewer for a couple of years now, and your podcast is helping take my homebrewing to the next level. Your guests are always interesting and engaging, and I enjoy your topics and discussion each week. I am from Denver Metro, and I have to hear, I, I love hearing about the local breweries and guests, as well as the national and international guests that you bring on. And thanks for your podcast. My new focus on is on a fermentation temperature control the ice spindle and possibly the ferment track in an effort to better my beer. So please keep doing what you're doing and just realize that your podcast is great. Great. Kyle Smith. So Kyle, thank you so much for the feedback. I, I, I once again, totally appreciate it. And Hey, Kyle, if, since you're in the Denver area, you know, let's get through this pandemic. When we are on the other side of this, I would be glad to sit down and have a beer with you and, uh, you know, I'm always down to, you know, enjoy the company of, of somebody who enjoys the show and is a listener. So, you know, reach out to me when things get a little bit better and, and the world is back to normal, or maybe I'll reach out to you, but either way, uh, either way, or when we maybe get to some normal homebrew club meetings, you can come down and hang out with us at the match paddlers. It's always a good time. Bring some beer for us to taste just love it when we have people drop in and have us taste their beer. It's always a good time. So uh, thank you very much for the feedback, Kyle. And then our next piece of feedback is from Ed Maurer. And Ed has written this feedback before. Uh, Ed is always such just a uh, a great person to get feedback from because he he's written me many, many emails, and I just love him. And uh, once again, this one's a great one. So thank you, Ed, for writing me this email. And he, let's dive into it. He says, I was listening to your uh, beer packaging podcast while bottling yesterday. I am committed to the uh, bottle kind of guy for many reasons. And I guess that I filled about 1,500 bottles in the past five years. Ed, that is a ton of bottles. Uh I got to admit, I bottled one time, hated it so much, I went and bought a kegging system. So you were, I, I'm completely the opposite of you. But that is okay. I, I'm totally down. I, I love this email because you talk about so much stuff. So we're going to dive into it. You asked for feedback on how we package. So I thought I would just send this along. Uh, you, as usual, home, in homebrewing, there are many opinions on how to do things. But this is what I've come up with so far. So one, attach the bottling wand directly to the bucket spout with a two inch piece of tubing. This allows for two handed, uh, a one handed bottle fill. And, and I completely agree with this. If, if you've got the bottling bucket sitting there, you've got the spout down, just put a little short piece of tube on the end of it and then attach the bottling wand, bring the bottle 
up to the wand instead of the wand down to the bottle, you're going to find that you have a much easier process. Also, do it over the dishwasher. That's a, that's a great way to keep things clean. But yes, that I, I completely agree. Keep a, a, a dedicated bucket for bottling. Use only for bottling. This prevents scratches and other damage to minimize infection risk. Bottling buckets are plastic and totally makes sense. Plastic is something that can get scratched. I was the type of person that when I used to ferment in buckets, the second I got a scratch in it, that became like a fermenter bucket or a cleaning bucket of some sort. I, I, I completely agree with you on that as well. Transferring beer to the bottling bucket before adding sugar allows more accurate calculation of the amount of priming sugar needed since you know the volume of beer that is being packaged. Careful stirring with the will distribute the sugar in the solution without excessive oxygenization. Man, that's such a hard word for me to say right now. Number four, reducing headspace. Tilt the bottle and press the bottle wand tip to the bottleneck to allow it to fill just a little more beer to the bottle to reduce the headspace to a half inch or three-fourths of an inch may mean less potential oxygen exposure. You know, it, it is something that I will admit that if I were judging or when I give beers to judges, they always talk about the fill level and right or wrong, whether it makes a difference or not, it makes a difference in their eyes. And if it's competition beer, you want it to have very little headspace. So I, I completely agree with you specifically there. Number five, using a bench Top capper is more secure than the wing style cappers with less risk of broken bottles. Ask me how I know this. I found that mine isn't, I, I found mine at an antique shop uh, for 20 bucks, and it's much more robust than the ones you typically get today in brewing supply stores. So he's got an antique bench top bottle capper. That's actually kind of cool. Number six. Bottle cap labels can only allow quick identification for your beers, especially when they're in six-pack carriers or in the refrigerator. I use an Avery 3-4 inch round label, and then to create the label using Avery.com, he uses their template website, and then I include the beer name, logo, and picture, and lot number for my labels. After making it a few times, it only takes about five minutes to design. He actually sent me a picture of this in the email, and he's right. He And, and he does even have a lot number in here with the label that he sticks to the cap. So I, I, I agree that that is an easy way when you're, especially if you've got like a mixed pack, and then you, you're not like pulling the bottle out, looking at the label, just look at it on the cap. Makes sense. And then uh, here's number seven, oxidants, antioxidants. Probably not for the beginner, but it seems that there may be an advantage to adding sodium metasulfide or even asorbic acid to reduce oxygenation, oxygenation when packaging. I, I, for some reason, cannot say that today. So the brewlosophers have talked about this in their podcast, and I've been using the metasulfite in my last several batches and bottled a Kolsch with it and with and without it haven't seen a downside and the colch is with the uh 
Na and so the potassium metasulfites seems to retain its fresh flavor more than the one without. So that's awesome that you've kind of been able to test it between the two, and and I agree. There has, I mean, these products exist for a reason, and I think that the reason is is that they're you know, no matter how careful you are when it comes to bottling, there just is a certain level of oxygenation that's going to happen when you bottle beer. And, and I just have to say that like, you know, it's great that we have chemicals like potassium metasulfite that would allow it to just be reduced. So I, I completely agree. Well, Ed, I, I have to agree. Thank you so much for all of your feedback and as always, it's, it's just great to hear from you. And, and I'm glad that you love and listen to the podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And once again, thank you very much. Let's wrap this show up. to thank Larry for taking the time to come on this week's show. I feel like I, A, kind of fanboyed out a little bit because I do watch Larry's videos constantly and it was awesome. And check him out, Homebrew King on TikTok. And while you're there, you might as well follow Homebrewing DIY on TikTok. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on all the socials at Homebrewing DIY. Well, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing. DIY.